Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. Okay, you guys, how many times have you had a client need additional work in their projects and they try to sneak it in without paying extra? I know that Krista and I have both certainly had this happen to us and it is annoying and frustrating. (laughs) And we are so, so thrilled to have Gigi from 1-6 Creative join us on the podcast this week just to talk all about avoiding that scope creep with your client projects. Um, If you are not familiar with her, Gigi has been running her design agency 1-6 Creative for three and a half years now after quitting her corporate job as a brand executive for a consultancy in the education industry. Gigi, we are so excited to have you come on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited as well. So let's go on ahead and dive right into our questions. So for anyone who is not familiar with you and your brand, can you tell us about yourself? How did you start your business? What has your journey kind of looked like up until now? Definitely, of course. So my journey, I guess, as a designer is not the traditional route. I think a lot of designers actually feel this way, especially mm-hmm. the latest kind of designers. Um, I, I had a very traditional educational path so my family was very determined for me to go to college get my bachelor's my master's get ideally my dad really wanted me to get a job in finances economics I was like no (laughs) but I'll try marketing so after after getting my degrees I went to I landed a job as a well initially as a marketing director which was huge for someone who just graduated was a small education consultancy but with big promises, great clients. And yeah, and I landed marketing director job, which was like, oh, that's, that's quite, you know, that's a baller. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> I like to have that title on my, on my business cards. And then as, so I worked there for two years and my position there kind of progressed into a brand executive because they realized that I had this creative flair um, I initially really wanted to go to an art school, but my my, my family was not really supportive of that. <laughs> um, but I did have this creativity in me and I wanted to bring it to this consultancy. So I rebranded it internally without having any understanding of what it meant to rebrand. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was like, okay, we'll, we'll go with the flow. That's fine. Uh, so they then changed my title into brand executive. And that was really exciting because I got to do all these design tricks and marketing strategies and all of that but unfortunately um, things changed and I had some issues with management Um, and I quit on a very kind of high note so very quit quite emotionally my job without having a plan b and I remember it was February 4th or something like this and I walked out of the office I was like that's it I'm done 
my new life begins. <laughs> and February 5th, I was sitting in my pajamas at like 6 p.m. because I haven't changed, obviously. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I knew I was creative. I knew I loved working on projects, but I really I didn't know what I wanted to do. So started Googling, went on uh, Upwork and Fiverr, trying to get some gigs. And to be honest, I think it was the most, not humiliating, but it was this, the hardest experience I've ever had because I know that now there are really great designers there that charge well and do amazing stuff. But back then I was struggling to get paid 40 bucks for a brochure, mm-hmm. which after being a brand executive, <laughs> after having such a beautiful title on my business card, it was mm-hmm. it was tough. It was hard to swallow. Um, so it took me a couple of months of struggling on, on sites like this to understand that I needed to change my mentality and my mindset and start valuing myself more. Because these sites, especially when you're struggling to get paid for like a design on Fiverr or something like this, you start believing that 40 bucks is all you're worth. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And you know that you're worth much more than that. You know that you have great quality. Uh, You know that your work is good. But if one client after the other says, "Mm, no, I'm going to go with someone cheaper, (laughs) like really cheaper than 40 bucks? Come on, please. Yeah, really. (laughs) So it took me, yeah, it took me a couple of months, uh, a lot of learning, and I founded One Six Creative on out of, I mean, kind of out of nowhere. I remember when I was trying to put my prices on there, I went straight up and put. I remember, I saw, I can't remember the name of the designer, but I saw a designer that I really liked back then. I saw her prices and she's been in business for some time. I was like, I'm just going to put that on my site. <laughs> and whoever agrees to that, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> no real strategy in place. Um, and three and a half years later, this is this is where we're at. Uh, I did change because my, my background is not in design per se, uh, but in marketing, the approach I have... Um, is more from a marketing side. So we we position One Six Creative as the agency that concentrates on conversion first and design second, mm-hmm. which is not traditional for designers, but I think it's more and more important, especially in such a saturated um, saturated industry. So yeah, that's the short brief story of One Six Creative. <laughs> I think, and I'm so glad you pointed out that most people... Now, like most designers nowadays do not have a traditional path coming to owning their own business. Our clients don't really care if we worked at an agency or if we like if we did Upwork freelance or if we worked some other kind of job while we were growing our our own businesses. So I think that, like you said, it's less and less important and it's good for other people to hear your experience and your like non-traditional path. I think a lot of listeners are really going to resonate with um, just having someone who like totally like did it completely different. (laughs) Definitely. I think, and I think it's encouraging because there are so many talented people out there that I think didn't have the chance to pursue what they want yet. And they feel like, oh, well, there's so many, um, I don't know, there are so many designers out there. There's so many artists. I'm like five years behind, or there are so many course creators. I'm never going to catch up. But 
you have to remember that you can't compare someone's journey at, I don't know, year five to your starting points. It took them a while to get started as well. And the market was also very saturated when they started. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I definitely encourage anyone who's listening who (laughs) wants to do something to do it because your background really doesn't matter. Uh, It took me three and a half years to finally feel comfortable and really think that I'm, well, legit although I don't like this word because what what does it mean to be legit I think it's more of a psychological feeling where you feel like you know your worth and and you're ready to pursue it so Mm -hmm. definitely go for it yeah for sure so let's kind of transition into our topic for this interview um I know probably everyone who is listening has had a tough situation where um they've had scope creep kind of creep into their projects. Um, So did you have a specific experience with a client that wanted to make or made you want to kind of figure out how to avoid it, how to handle it? And if so, would you mind sharing that experience with us? (laughs) Yes, I had so, so, so many, actually, especially when starting out, because nobody teaches you how to be how to run an agency or how to manage client work it's not something i'm i don't think that even in design school they teach you that uh, no i can tell you i went to design school and they did not teach me that (laughs) i mean my second degree was in entrepreneurship and nobody taught me how to do my own taxes i mean really like (laughs) you need to teach people (laughs) yeah so definitely had a lot of especially when it was on upwork and fiverr when i was starting out definitely had a lot of scope creep there but i think there is because you don't have a direct relationship with the client so um it's not i mean it it just it just happens but i do have one experience well actually two big ones one of them was a project that i started when i just started so about three years ago And it was a big project and I had all the dollar bills in my eyes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Definitely something I was super excited, but it was outside of what I felt comfortable with. And and this resulted, I mean, this project was supposed to take five to seven months, maybe. It was a big project. Mm -hmm. But here we are in 2019 and my goodness, is still going. (laughs) I mean, there is also because I had a personal relationship with uh, with the client and I can't, in any other circumstance, I would have probably fired the client and say, listen, no, we have to stop right there. But because of close personal relationship, we're still going. But it's kind of this, you know, like weight on your shoulders. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's one project that will die with me. <laughs> 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 but then I had another, I had another experience also where, I was so excited about working with this client, really exciting project for a restaurant uh, rebrand. I was part, I was, I was working close with the interior designer. It was just really creative. And again, it was very early stages of my, uh, of my own experience. So a lot, a lot of mistakes were made, a lot of miscommunication and, a lot of red flags as well that I should have pointed out from the very beginning. You know, now when I work with a client, I can feel it in my gut when something's something's not going to work out. And I definitely became stricter in this regard. Uh, but back then, I was just 
you know, I'm just going to say yes to everything and see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's definitely not a strategy that I recommend. Yes, you learn from it. And yes, you become stronger. Yes, I still make these mistakes sometimes even today, but much less. Um, because what ended up happening is that the client asks for one favor and you're like, okay, well, one little favor, that's fine. And one favor turned into 10. And then suddenly you realize that you ended up giving away thousands of pounds, well, pounds in free work. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they expect free stuff from you because, well, you said yes in the beginning. So why shouldn't you now? That's not mm-hmm. a really nice feeling. And I think that's the moment when I realized that I need to revisit where went like understand where went wrong how can i learn from this and definitely the first step was um really working on my client experience on understanding client needs and being very clear uh, of basically setting up the expectations from the very beginning Mm -hmm. so talking about the very beginning and i think that is I think your experience is something that we all go through when we're first starting our business. Everyone kind of has those situations where you don't really know what to do and you just want to keep the client and make sure you're getting paid enough to pay your bills. So you're like, sure, I'll do that. (laughs) And then three years later, you're like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So I definitely think your experience in that is totally normal as someone who's been you know, a designer for seven years. I mean, even some of my last clients, I had things like that come up with. So, um, but you were talking about the very beginning of the project and kind of setting those expectations. So when I think about scope creep, I imagine that some of that stems from maybe the needs of the client not totally being uncovered or communicated before actually booking the project. So I'm curious, are there any specific questions that you think designers should be asking their clients to kind of help them avoid that additional work later on in the project? Definitely. I think I think the very first thing you need to realize is that scope creep, as you said, usually happens because of our our fault as a designer. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that clients want to, you know, get greedy and want to get free stuff. From yeah. Them. Usually it's because there's been miscommunication and they weren't sure. And then us as a designer will feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. So we give them stuff for free and then they think this is the norm. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something that us as designers or creators in general, any any type of entrepreneur that works with clients needs to do is look at your process from the inside. And a lot of creative entrepreneurs think of the client experience as when you're already working with a client, but actually it starts way, way earlier from the very moment when they're on your site and they decide that they want to, to work with you and they reach out to you. So the first thing I've done is I changed the way, um, the way clients, well, potential leads can reach out. So mm-hmm. on my own website, for example, I have two ways of contacting me. One is for general inquiries, just a normal, you know, name, email message mm-hmm. um, form. And the other one is a brand application, which is the first filter in working with me. And this helps because it allows me to filter through the leads and understand if we're a good fit for each other, because I do have an ideal client. I do have 
an image of, you know, after years of working, I know what type of clients I like to work with and whether or not mm-hmm. I can help them. Uh, so at the very beginning, I just asked them, uh, you know, what they do, how long they've been in business, and most importantly, what are their expectations from working with us? So in an ideal world where, you know, our work together is successful, what would that look like for you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you ask them, well, what what are your goals for your business or what are your objectives? It's they're they're not really sure mm-hmm. <laughs> what to answer there because maybe it's not something they've thought about. But mm-hmm. when you ask them, well, if our work is successful and we've done everything perfectly as you wanted, what does that look like for you? And then mm-hmm. they can dream a bit about it. They can imagine what it would look like. So this is already a great um something great to include in your initial form Mm -hmm. then if I decide that we are a good fit and we jump on a consultation call and we talk I focus a lot on again on goals and objectives understanding Mm -hmm. what exactly are you expecting from me uh, and be very clear about whether this is something I can or cannot do because especially at the beginning, I was saying I was, I was saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, and figure it out later. But <laughs> a lot of the time, the figuring out later was way more complicated than I mm-hmm. thought. So be honest to with your client and with yourself as well, and see whether this is you know are you comfortable with this project? Don't try to you know bite a bigger piece than than you can. I know it's very. Um, exciting at the beginning especially because maybe it's your first client maybe it's your second client and you want this client so bad but it's better to wait until the right client comes your way than sign up sign up a bad client just because you you just want someone so this mm-hmm. is definitely a lesson that I, that I learned um, and during that consultation call I tried to get as much information from them as possible about their business and again their goals what they want to achieve um, any features for example if it's a web uh, web design client any features they're expecting any pages uh, if it's an e-commerce site make them ask them to be very clear about how many products they have mm-hmm. um, if you for example if I'm creating a Shopify site for them I need to know exactly what's the minimum amount of products that they want me to input or do they want me to input all of them because this is a huge difference in the cost Mm -hmm. structure. And similar with design, you have to be clear about all the deliverables, um, all the marketing collateral that you're going to be designing for them because your client is researching a lot of designers out there probably. And just because one designer offers, I don't know, business cards, brochures, and stuff like this doesn't mean that you have to offer it as part of your base package as well. So Mm -hmm. you have to set um, your expectations and your deliverables very clearly up front so that your client knows exactly what to expect from you. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. There are so (laughs) many good tidbits in that. Dang. So the first thing I was thinking is the way you frame that question about if everything is successful, what, what do you see after that? That's such, I've never thought about asking, you know, that question that way, but I can totally see where, like you said, it would allow the client to kind of daydream a little bit more about maybe 
how big their business could grow, the sales they can make, whatever, after their design is done and launched. That's a really unique way to ask that. And I did not have this in our questions because I didn't know you were going to bring that up. But I'm curious, how did you think to start asking it like that? I, um, I can't remember the exact moment, but basically before I opened One Six Creative or before it became what it is today, mm-hmm. I... Um, I used to go to a lot of these like very marketing oriented, like not shows, but conferences Mm -hmm. and those like free, um, free talks where, you know, you think that it's a free ticket and then it's basically a pitch fest. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's like tons of coaches and, um, you know, trying to pitch like their offers or something like this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were talking about, um, this thing called, uh, you know how today we have business to B2B and B2C. So business to mm-hmm. business, business to consumer. But what our world is going towards is H to H, which is human to human or mm-hmm. heart to heart. So uh, I can see this very clearly from a marketing perspective that more and more brands are trying to personify themselves and become more human um, mm-hmm. to really emotionally target their customers. So there were the, these coaches were talking about how you need to stop asking direct marketing salesy questions like in the old times mm-hmm. <laughs> and really dig into the core, like the, the, the core of your consumer, of your customer, of your client, really try to get them emotionally involved in working with you. Mm-hmm. So during, as a, for example, as I use the example, instead of asking just what's your business goal, ask mm-hmm. them, well, in an ideal world where everything is perfect, what would a successful project would look like for you? Mm-hmm. Or when um, I also ask them, it's it's more about uh, framing insecurities in regards to pricing mm-hmm. is asking questions like if if you weren't if we weren't to work together or if you weren't to rebrand your business or build a new e-commerce, what would failing, what would not taking this action look like for you? Or mm-hmm. what would what would it mean for your business? In most cases, um, people, especially for e-commerce, the reason why clients reach out is because their e-commerce is not performing as well as it should. They're not reaching their, their targets. So... If you ask them, well, if you continue this way, what's going to happen? And usually they say, well, you know, I might have to close down my business. And then mm-hmm. you dig deeper and you ask, well, what would happen if you had to close down your business? And they usually answer, well, you know, I might, I won't be able to support my family or my husband will have to work extra stuff like this. So now mm-hmm. they're emotionally invested and they understand the importance of it. I know we're getting into very, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like good emotional stuff. Yeah. But, um, at the end of the day, I, I want to serve my clients and help them really achieve the best results possible. And mm-hmm. I think this is a big difference where you work with a small agency or a solopreneur versus a big agency that is very money oriented, you know, mm-hmm. one of those like big guys. Because you have the opportunity to work so closely to your clients. I mean, I know 
so much personal stuff about my clients. <laughs> we just chat and they share. And, and this just makes me want to help them even more. So it's important for, for, for us as designers, well, not even for us as designers, but for us as, I, I would say, as their guide to understand what triggers them and why this business is such a big deal for them. Why did mm -hmm. they start in the first place? Not a lot of people started their business out of like money, mm -hmm. just because they want to get rich. Not yeah. and those who have probably are, you know, are not doing it. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they, they start their business out of passion because they're, they love what they do. And the fact that it helps them raise their family and, and, and support their family and live a beautiful life. This is just a huge bonus. So questions like this just help get a little closer, a little more personal with your clients. And I know from experience that it changed my relationship with my clients as well. Uh, and we definitely got much more personal and closer. Yeah. I cannot wait for people to listen to this episode because I bet <laughs> everyone is going to say, I'm going to change my questionnaires right now <laughs> with all these good tips. So kind of going back to our scope creep topic. Um, you mentioned setting expectations and that sort of thing. I'm curious, do you have any boundaries in place in your contract specifically with clients around scope creep that you recommend that other designers have in their contract as well? Definitely. I started without a contract. Mm -hmm. So definitely don't do that. <laughs> Even if you're working with friends and family, which is, you know, my first clients were friends and family, have a contract because mm -hmm. relationships get ruined. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I did white contracts and, you know, from, from different templates from Google and stuff like this, but there were so many loopholes and I, unfortunately I learned it the hard way. So I did invest into proper contracts, but I also uh, decided to edit them to, to make them real to, to my business. Because one thing that, the main thing is clients are afraid of contracts as in they think that, you know, we, we're going to, I don't know, trick them into something mm -hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it's a long document that has so many really complicated words. So I actually start my contract with saying that um, you won't find any complicated lingo in here. I'm not, I don't want you to sign something you don't understand. So if there's anything you, you don't feel comfortable with, or you want clarification, please ask me. Mm -hmm. And this, even adding this small sentence at the beginning of your contract, make them feel more comfortable that they can refuse to sign it if they don't understand it. Because mm -hmm. to be honest, sometimes when I, you know, I read contracts, I'm like, I have no idea what I read, but okay, fine. <laughs> I'll put a signature. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and then I definitely do have a whole separate section about scope. I didn't used to have this. I used to have uh, basically my services and the list of deliverables. Mm -hmm. And then a note saying that anything outside of this will be charged extra at X amount per hour. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be enough, but clearly it wasn't because somehow <laughs> my clients still found their way in and... Mm -hmm you know it's just it's 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 not enough for them so that's why i changed it and i add a specific section um about what it means to be out of scope and out of scope another thing you have to clarify that it's okay 
to get out of scope. Mm-hmm. It's we charge extra not because we want to be mean or we don't want them to go out of scope, but because it's just not something we discussed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear that the price they see in this contract is uh, based on our initial conversation uh, and anything extra, uh, anything ex- you know, beyond this will be charged extra. And I do clarify that it's totally okay to go out of scope. We don't want you to restrict your ideas. We don't want you to feel uh, restricted by a set fee because mm-hmm. when you have a set price for a project, you feel very restricted by it. And you're like, Ooh, I don't want to go outside of these, of these boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I try to clarify that it's totally fine. If you want something extra, just make sure to discuss this with us. We'd be happy to provide um, an, an additional estimate for it. And very important is to say that any additional uh, changes or any additional requests have to be requested in writing. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a lesson <laughs> that mm-hmm. I learned because when you discuss it over the phone, you don't have a record of that. Mm-hmm. So definitely any additional uh, changes, any additional features to the site, any additional pages, even if you discuss over the phone, just pop them an email after that and say, hey, based on our conversation, here's what we discussed and this is how much it's going to be. Uh, don't take their word for it. Ask them to confirm it by email. Mm-hmm. Just send a simple agreed. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, definitely do include that in the contract. It saves so much hassle and so much time. And if the client doesn't understand still, even after reading it, what it means, then again, because you put that sentence at the beginning, they will get back to you and ask additional questions. Mm-hmm. And I like that you framed that by, you know, we are not trying to restrict the project. And I think a lot of people, I mean, even myself included, honestly, fall victim to thinking of scope creep as people who are just not intentionally trying to be bad clients, but that that usually I associate scope creep with a bad client or a bad mm. project. And sometimes that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes they literally want you to add on maybe an extra collateral item or something like that. And that's technically scope creep if it's not in your original agreed upon project. Yes. And I think actually to add on to that, in addition to writing the exact deliverables in, in the contract that they're going to be, they're going to be signing. I also include stuff that we don't do. So for example, especially for website clients, a lot of clients expect that we write all the copy and we provide all of the images. And this mm-hmm. is a very common one for me. Um, I put in my contract that we do not provide copy and the images are our client's responsibility. Mm-hmm. I even go as far as saying that resizing your images, spending time resizing them to fit the website uh, is also a client's responsibility unless they want us to invest the time into doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's totally okay to also write things that you don't want to be doing uh, or you know, you just say that if they want these features, these services, then it will be an extra, an extra cost. And one last thing that I do include is a lot of the time we have a set launch date for, for our projects, but in this paragraph about out of scope, I do include that. First of all, if you ask for additional features, if you have additional requests, 
this may mean that your launch day will be pushed uh, further back because sometimes they say, oh, yes, I want X, Y, Z, but I also want it in a week when we're supposed to be launching. And this mm-hmm. is not always the possibility, uh, but they need to understand that obviously more work for you means you have to invest more time, meaning that their launch date might be pushed back. And also that you are free to actually refuse to, to, to do those changes. If it's not something that you can do, or maybe it's not something that you feel comfortable doing, you, I do write that um, I am at liberty to refuse any additional changes if, uh, if they don't fit our purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So we're talking about communicating with clients and about different things involving scope creep. And we've you've mentioned a few times that, you know, additional work is going to require an additional fee. Um, I'm curious, how do you handle actually communicating that with the client if they bring it up like in the middle of the project? Um, because people in our Get Back to Design Facebook group have been like, how do I tell the client that this is going to cost them more money. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm freaking out. (laughs) And I read all those like posts like that in that kind of voice. Cause I mean, I remember being in that like panic mode. Oh God, Mm -hmm. I have to tell them this is going to cost them more. What are (laughs) they going to say? So I'm curious, how do you, how do you handle that? So remember what I was saying that during the very first steps, I talk about a lot about goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there is a reason for that because any actions that we take towards their branding or their web design is based on their objectives. So as I said, we, we, we design with conversion in mind and we want to ensure that every single action has a purpose that is not just made to look pretty or something like mm-hmm. that. So when um, when a client comes to me and says, oh, yeah, we want to, I don't know, for example, oh, I saw this design, this website, they do this. We want the same thing. I say, yeah, cool. That, that looks cool. But um, what, basically, what do you think, what kind of purpose would it serve for your, uh, for your website? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's aligned with your initial objectives, your initial goals? Because, and then you add, because adding this feature will be out of scope. So I want to ensure that we're in line with the overall objective of this project and we don't go outside of budget. And if they say, oh yeah, but I really do like it. Like I really want to include, then you say, yeah, that's fine. That's that's absolutely okay. Adding this feature would cost X amount. Uh, and because it will take me an extra amount of days to, to do it, it may push back our lodge date. Are you okay with that? Sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they say no. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, sometimes they come back. What do you mean with, uh, what do you mean by it's going to cost me extra? Why would it cost me extra? And that's where you refer them back to your contract. A lot of the time clients are super understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, they understand that anything extra means more time. Um, and and that's, that's okay because, I mean, it's, as I said, it's very rare that clients want, are, are mean and want you to do work for free and take you for a slave. <laughs> it's very rare. Um, it does happen, unfortunately, but you have to be professional. And as long as you have a strong contract that backs you up and you feel like you've been very clear about the deliverables and they, you have a confirmation from your clients 
who agrees to only these deliverables, then you should be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so simple and a very like matter of fact, it's it's it can be that simple. Like so if you're listening to this, and maybe you are right now trying to figure out what to say to a client. Sometimes we overcomplicate things and we stress about what the client would say. And it's like you said, most clients totally understand that they're asking for something extra. And in my experience, most are going to say, yeah, sure, whatever, add that onto the final invoice. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. So I think that's a really good, um, those are really good steps. And the, I like how you outlined exactly what you say to your clients too. Definitely. And I mean, yes, you will have situations that are a bit harder to handle, Mm -hmm. especially if it's sometimes a client might come to you and ask for such a small favor that will take you like, I don't know, like 15 minutes or something like this, something Mm -hmm. really small. And of course, you're not going to say, well, this will cost you this amount. Obviously, it's it you you wouldn't want to do that. It's okay Mm -hmm. to do little favors. But you have to, for me, for example, I wouldn't um, I limit my out of scope time, if we can call it that way, to two <laughs> hours per project. Mm-hmm. So anything that is outside of two hours, that's where I draw a line and I say, hey, so I was happy to do this for you because, you know, it was, I see the benefit of it and it, it was a small favor, but um, I had to spend extra amount of time to to implement this. Any other changes will be will be considered out of scope you mm-hmm. have to be clear in advance so obviously don't do free work and then say hey by the way this you need to pay me this amount mm-hmm. of work you have to be upfront and you have to uh, tell the client in advance that this will cost extra and get a, um, a confirmation from them mm-hmm. and it's okay to do little favors as i said i limit it to two hours per project um because sometimes especially for small things it's easier to say yes than um you know have the risk of i don't know somehow uh ending up with a bad relationship with your client mm-hmm. yeah no i have done that too with my client projects i'll say you know this will take me less than or this is a small change, or this will take me up approximately this amount of time or whatever. So I don't mind doing it for you. Um, mine is my like line in the sand is a little bit less than two hours. <laughs> um, but I think I think finding that like sweet spot for yourself and knowing your schedule and that sort of thing is good to help you figure out where you can accept those little things. And speaking of schedule, Aside from communication, another really big factor in um, stuff that comes up out of scope is being booked out. So I know designers most of the time are generally booked out at least a month, um, maybe longer than that if you are doing really well in business. Um, And so sometimes you can't accommodate those additional needs without affecting other projects. I'm curious, have you ever had to deal with that? And if so, how do you recommend designers saying, I can't deal, I can't help you with this now, but maybe later? <laughs> I'm very strict in my contract about um, about a few things. So the first one is any delays uh, in communication um, will be kind of, well, I basically charge clients if they 
don't communicate with us for 10 days mm-hmm. uh, they will be getting a penalty <laughs> and, <laughs> and then if they don't speak to us if we don't hear from them for three weeks then we put the project on hold and it's up to us if they, if they want to resume it it's up to us to see when we can fit them in our schedule mm-hmm. and this was a scary one i had to do it a couple of times because they come back to saying well i've paid you a deposit already what do you mean well unfortunately we have to move on because we have other clients waiting but these mm-hmm. are extremes mm-hmm. uh, when you do have active clients that come with a request for a change you you have to look you have to be very realistic um, about what you can handle right now and what you can't. Maybe this is something you can outsource, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as things especially like um, development, for example, changes in development. It's definitely something that I I prefer to outsource if uh, I'm you know finishing up the design or something. Mm-hmm. This is one of the solutions is outsourcing the work if you still want to make that change. And then, especially if you outsource on sites like Upwork, for example, then you can charge a little bit extra to the client as well to cover your admin costs and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you definitely cannot outsource and it just doesn't fit, again, just be very honest. And I know it's hard to do because I remember I was sitting in a puddle of sweat the first time I had to do yep. it. I was terrified, but... Most of us, I mean, we're all humans and we all know what that we all have only 24 hours. And I'm, well, that's not true. I did have one client like that, but most of the clients don't expect you to be working until 5 a.m. finishing mm-hmm. up something because it's not something that they would want to do for anyone else, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's about being upfront and honest and just say, I'm very happy to, to do this. Uh, but this isn't something we can implement right now. For example, mm-hmm. this is especially um, uh, current with uh, this website that we're developing now. Our client asked for quite a big feature add-on mm-hmm. and not only pushes the launch date by like three weeks because it's a lot of development work, but we also unable to even outsource it because our own developer is overbooked right now with work. Mm-hmm. So we just can't accommodate. So we offer the solution where, listen, I think it's best if we launch it by our, la- by our initial launch date uh, and we add this feature in a month. So we can get back to, to work. It's not a feature that will make or break the site or their business uh, because it's kind of like this additional uh, luxury kind of add-on for for their client experience but it's not something that's going to make or break their website mm-hmm. you have to ask again well will this feature uh how will this help us achieve your goal or, or objective and is this something we need like right now if it's mm-hmm. not then it's totally okay to wait uh, and get back to it when your your schedule clears up again it's about having an honest conversation and being well, first of being very confident about it and being very realistic about what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your last point is probably exactly what I would have recommended. And um, as somebody who is always talking about work-life balance, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone listening to this to overwork themselves to please definitely. a client. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Let's talk about people who are in too deep with their clients. (laughs) 
Um, if someone is listening to this and they have a project and it's gotten a little bit out of control with new requests, um, what steps do you think they could take to kind of regain control? Um, or do you think that maybe once you start allowing those favors, is it just too late? You just kind of have to accept it in the project and then just fix it with the next client. <laughs> I don't think it's too late. It's definitely not too late, but it's, it's much harder once you start doing favors for a client mm -hmm. uh, because they, they think that it's, as I said, they think it's the norm and they can just request free work whenever they want. Mm -hmm. But at this point, if if you are in a situation where you start doing these favors and you're like, oh my God, I've done like 20 hours free now and it just keeps coming, at some point you have to draw the line. Even if that line is 20 hours, it's better to say stop now than in, in, in another 20. Yep. So put together an email for your clients saying, explaining the situation. Obviously don't say, well, dude, I've done 20 hours for free. Maybe that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Mm -hmm. make them, don't make your client feel bad about it, mm -hmm. but make them understand that any further changes mean extra hours you spent on their project. Make sure, well, I hope that you have a contract in place with exact deliverables. If you don't, then this is definitely the moment where you have to revisit your contract, mm -hmm. but refer them back to your contract and say, well, these additional changes are, are out of scope. Um, you can, as I said, refer them back to your contract, say that these are the deliverables we originally agreed to. Unfortunately, well, any other changes, I'm very happy to make them, but at an additional uh, charge. And I think it's important to say that you are happy to make these changes. It's not that, you know, I don't want any more work, so stop sending it. Mm -hmm. Again, it's okay. Make them feel comfortable about additional work, but they have to understand that it's it's just outside of scope and that's that's totally okay. But you're, you need to learn from this experience. And uh, I've had so many of them, less mm -hmm. now, but still sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you have to, once the project is done, have, you know, analyze what went wrong and at what point have you allowed scope creep. Mm -hmm. Find that email or remember that conversation. What was the exact process? What, how did the client frame it? And what did you respond? And at one point, at what point did you feel like enough is enough? Mm -hmm. uh, or at what point did you start feeling uncomfortable? Because this is where you're like, okay, well, after one, two hours, that's where I started feeling uncomfortable. Maybe that's where I should be drawing a line. Mm -hmm. After every project, what I do is I analyze the project and the mistakes or the good stuff or... I change my client experience probably after every single project <laughs> because you learn new stuff mm -hmm. every time. So do the same with is where you work with a team mm -hmm. uh, when it's not just one person, but it's a team. That's where scope creep comes in. Mm -hmm. When you're waiting for feedback from like four different people, that's where it becomes really, really hard. So I was uh, now I'm very clear from the very beginning, if it's a client that has a team behind it, I tell them that I will only have one point of contact and accept feedback from only one person. Mm -hmm. And this is something I had for three years, but <laughs> because I never communicated this to a client. And once you start working, well, it's a bit late because you actually mm -hmm. start accepting feedback from like 10 other people. Yep. <laughs> it is late for that. But, um, but yeah, be very clear in your communication from the get go uh, and try to learn 
from each experience. Again, each even each failure, each project, everything is an experience to learn from. So don't worry if you have scope creep right now. We still do. <laughs> it's okay. Just just get better next time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everyone experiences it. So. Okay, so where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about what you offer, and just keep up with you online? Of course. I would love, love, love to become friends on Instagram. This is probably where I hang out most. Uh, and it would be one six creative, one in words and six as a number. Thank you to my husband for creating this wonderful name. <laughs> so one six creative uh, on Instagram and our website. If you want to check out what we do and our services, it's one six creative.com. Awesome. Well, we will have a link to your Instagram and your website in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. And thank you so much again for jumping on. I know, I like us, I'm going to say it again. This is going to be one of the best episodes. <laughs> People are going to love it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.